That's exactly what keeps me going is the impact because I, I'm the last person to get paid, right? Ever. In fact, I haven't gotten paid yet. I'm still in a lot of debt and I haven't seen anything. And people think like, oh man, you're must be doing really well, but it's, that's not how business is. You know, you gotta, you gotta wait. And it's the principle of life. You reap what you sow. That principle is ancient and it's true across the board. It doesn't matter what field you get into. And, and one thing I've been convinced through this journey of doing Poncho's Blanket is the fact that there is no such thing as luck. And if you think that you got luck, then you're kind of, you're accepting a curse, a cursed mind, because you thought you got lucky once, then you think you'll get lucky twice. And at the end of the day, weather catches up with you and you'll reap what you sow. And if you learn to not sow because you thought you were lucky and that you're going to just be okay, then you're going to become poor again because you have a poor mindset. And so you're always going to fall down to the poor, to your mindset, not poor mindset, but whatever your mindset is, you're going to go down to that and your habits, which your habits came from your mindset in the first place, right? There's a really good book called Atomic Habits that I really like. And so it helped me navigate um, a lot of a lot of that mindset that I have, and I realized, hey, it, it doesn't matter if I'm doing Poncho's blanket or if I'm doing just real estate or if I'm doing a career for some corporation. At the end of the day, you have to work hard in order to get anything good out of it. And even if that good thing isn't, let's say, money or success, and however you thought it was going to be. The treasures of your character that came from hard work are more important than all the things that it could have provided, right? Because that is something no one will take away from you. Someone who has a good work ethic is really tough to find. That's probably because it's a reflection of their mindset. Hey guys, welcome to the Blue Rose Podcast, where the focus is moving towards things that feel good. Every week, we explore different topics in outdoors, travel, balance, wellness, with the common theme of following your passions. Join me, your host, as I share stories from all over the world. This podcast is all about embracing new experiences and turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. No, I'm in Kansas City right now. Uh, I've been here in and out for like 10 years. Okay. I'm actually from North Carolina. That's where I was born. And then I grew up in Mexico. And so Kansas City was just something that I was originally, well, I was in the Marine Corps and I was getting out. I was stationed in Hawaii and that's how I know Angie. Okay. Yeah. And, uh. And I had to have somewhere to go because my family was in Mexico still. They still are. And I just needed to find out, well, where am I going to go in the States? So I had a friend in my fire team who was from Kansas City. He had a lot of good things to say. My parents liked this uh, this guy that they met. He was a really cool guy. They were like, hey, uh, you should connect with him. He has a really cool thing in Kansas City. So one thing led to another, ended up coming to Kansas City, and I went to UMKC for business and entrepreneurship. So, and here Got I am it. still. Can't get away from here it. Here you are. Where's your, yeah. where's your brother at? He's in Mexico. He's in Tlaxcala, Mexico. Okay. So do you go back and forth then? I do. 
I was going back and forth a lot when I was first uh, first here in Kansas City for a bit. Uh, I would spend six months at a time in Mexico just because that's where my mom and my dad and my brother still are. And I love spending time over there. So I still go back a lot, but not as much as I used to because I'm doing real estate in Kansas City. So I'm a realtor. And also I, I help people with their investments, stuff like that. And our shop is here, which is probably the main reason why I stay in Kansas City is because our shop, which is downtown. So someone has to flag, have the flagship, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you guys have a physical store for your goods. I didn't know that. Yeah, we have a physical store since October of last year. So it's it's fairly recent, kind of. You know, we're going to see how it goes this year with everything because the momentum of having the store was was a lot. There was a lot of momentum. We were on the news a few times and different articles wrote stuff about us. So we were a new thing. Now we're going to see, all right, how do we keep that kind of momentum slash – uh, do as much online growth as possible because online is is the present and the future. So yes. figuring figuring that part out has been interesting, challenging, but interesting. The online part isn't so challenging in the sense that there's a formula to it. There's a really mm-hmm. basic formula of oh, this is how much money you have to put in in order to get it in front of this many eyes, and of that many people, this amount typically sells if you do well at your marketing. But what's more challenging than that is the logistics behind manufacturing because we don't really manufacture. Our stuff is very niche and mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it's kind of expensive. It's not too pricey, but for someone who isn't aware of the culture behind it and they're not really plugged into that niche, it's expensive, you know. Yeah. Especially if you're into fast fashion and you like to change your outfit every freaking gala or ball or or Instagram post, right? Yeah. So then you're going to be that person who needs something new. But uh, that's why it's kind of catered towards men, even though I, I do want it to be more towards women eventually. Not more towards women, but just do more things for women. But right now it's mm-hmm. a lot for men uh, just because I find the inspiration in the things that I like. And so I'll see yeah. something that I like, and then I start to design it around that, around that style. Um, so men, typically, they'll re- wear the same thing over and over again, a hundred times, right? To Even to, like, fancy events. So the coat that I had that really inspired me, I was wearing it with a suit on. I was wearing it with my jeans. I was wearing it with everything. And I was like, yo, this coat is fire. I need to figure out how to make more of these and sell them. But a woman, I mean, not to stereotype people, but honestly, you, they don't wear the same dress for this uh, another event. And I, I remember that from the, my Marine Corps days. You take a girl to the Marine Corps ball, and that was the only time she was going to wear that dress. And, and then the next year, they're like, I can't, uh, let's go to the Marine Corps ball, I have to buy a dress. Like, what do you mean? You, you have a dress from last year. It was almost a sinful thing to ask. You know, how could you yeah. ask me? I'm going to wear the same dress from the last ball. And I'm like, I'm wearing the same uniform from the last ball. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah, work Yeah, I've never way. thought about that, though. That, like, yeah, you guys do just wear your uniform, and then women dress up and dress differently. But, yeah, you're unlikely to find a girl that's going to wear the same dress to the same event. So that's 
Nope. Absolutely not. But I that's how it is across the somebody. board. Yeah, yeah, it's not just the military. Think about it, guys. They wear the black tuxedo. Yeah. The black suit and the, the yeah. black tie formal stuff. But the women, they can be a lot more colorful with it. And so yeah. that's an interesting thing. More fun for us, but also a little more difficult and a little more pricey. <laughs> more, way more pricey. Yeah. yeah, they will drop some money on a dress for one occasion, or they wear it again <laughs> yeah. like ten years down the road if they really take care of themselves and they're the same size, which is really tough to do. After you know, from twenty to thirty, come on. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's hard to do. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your business before we get too far into it? Okay. Um, well, my name is Jonathan Garvey. And I founded Poncho's Blanket probably two and a half years ago. That's when we started. It started because of a community kitchen that we had. Um, the community kitchen is called Feed a Family. It's a nonprofit. We've, we basically we've provided 60,000 meals for the impoverished community in Mexico, in Tlaxcala, Mexico. And um, the nonprofit started before Poncho's Blanket, but Poncho's Blanket just kind of was birthed from, hey, let's continue this this uh, this labor that we're doing, this mission. And what we'll do is for every sweater we sell, we'll sell – we'll give away a sweater and we'll give away uh, a meal to one of these – to the community kitchen. And we kind of started off of that model, like buy one, give one. And naturally, we had to start to evolve in a different direction of uh, figuring out a more sustainable way of someone buy something. And we, we give a portion of that to the community kitchen and also get getting creative with how to give. Because if you just if it's just the same meal every single week in the same place, that's great. But what other communities are in need? You know, so. We partner with churches who they do a lot of a lot of stuff like that where they'll give out sweaters to the homeless or meals to the homeless. And, yeah, we, we, we do that. Um, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. That's how I know our friend Angie. And from there I went to Kansas City, got my bachelor's in business, and I started to work for the State Department as a private military contractor. I was a private detective for a bit. And and I go back and forth from Iraq, Kansas City, and Mexico. Those became my main bases. Um, yeah, so my, my background is mostly in security, weapons, stuff like that. But now it's in entrepreneurship because um, it just it happened that way. And so I'm a yeah. real estate agent, investor, entrepreneur with Poncho's Blanket. And I try to do try to make all of it work for the benefit of anyone around me you know that's why the community kitchen's there and it's a passion of mine and helping others so where did this desire to like help people and give back stem from well my parents are missionaries in mexico i grew up in the church okay. and a lot of that if you're like if you go on a, on missions trips ever if you've ever done that a lot of it is just benevolent outreach you go and you cook for a community, you do dances, all, you know, all that stuff that I was a part of. And 
it was always instilled in me. And so when I was a little kid, I remember we became missionaries to Mexico when I was like eight years old. We went to Costa Rica for a year and then we went to Mexico. And in Mexico, I, I was like 10 or 11. And there was this natural disaster that happened where in the mountainous regions of Mexico, where a lot of people don't even speak Spanish, they speak this language called Nahuatl. And so you can't even really communicate with them, even if you spoke Spanish. Well, actually, a lot of them would speak Spanish, but they also had their native tongue. But what happened was it, it rained for weeks and it didn't stop in this area. And it created mudslides, huge, it like created canyons, essentially, in these mountains in a matter of days because an entire mountain would just fall off, become mud. And you're talking about people were, were living on this mountain, like their houses were built on these mountains and it would just fall off and then there would be no access to these places. So the military couldn't even get there to help these people. It, would, it was like a six hour hike to get to these villages that were completely cut off from the infrastructure of society essentially. And so I remember that's basically what created that, I guess, necessity, that worldview of, of helping others because we would pack our bags full of food and hike for six hours to go to these rural places where no one was going and we would just give them food, you know, mm -hmm. and clothes and Christmas presents and anything basically that, that we could think of. And so American teams would come and we'd take them with us. And ever since then, it's kind of been a part of me so that when I do business, it doesn't feel like, well, what's, what's the point of doing business? I'm, I'm not a very choleric person in the sense that I'm not such a super duper go-getter or I'm not very motivated just by money, which everyone's motivated for different things and you're not right or wrong for being motivated for whatever you're motivated by. But for me personally, I've found that I'm just more motivated by helping people and I don't mean to, to be, say it like that, like weird or anything. I mean, yeah. it's just a motivation of mine and I feel good about it. Um, and so doing the business, I was like, I like doing business, but what is another thing we should add or I can add? Oh, definitely feed a family, um, community kitchen, helping others. Like mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and um, so I couldn't, I can't really just, unless I'm working for like state department or something along the, that vein of security, diplomatic security and stuff, then on the entrepreneurship side, I like social entrepreneurship, if that makes sense. Okay. It just feels better. It feels right. Um, there's a lot of message behind the cause. There's a lot of artistry behind the cause too, because with what we do, because we use foot pedal looms, it's a, it's a form of art and history, which I love both things, right? I love history. Um, and it's, it's going away. So our first slogan when we started, our main slogan was saving a dying art because artisans are a dying breed essentially. And when I say dying breed, I mean literally. Like once they pass away, there's not a lot of people to take their place because there's not a lot of need either for it. Kind of like art in a way that you don't need art. You know, that picture you have on your wall back there. I mean, what would happen if it wasn't there anymore? You'd be fine. You know, it yeah. wouldn't affect anything. But it is so necessary for culture and cultural preservation as well as historical preservation. And it helps us know where we don't want to ever go again. 
as a society and it helps us know where we want to go things we want to repeat and so what we do in like poncho's blanket and the brand is we try to maintain um the clothing items that we make in the most ancient way we can think of right now which is a foot pedal loom which is over 500 years old that they taught the spanish how to do it and i mean the spanish taught the mexicans how to do it or the aztecs but even before then the spanish were taught by who knows the arab nation that conquered them way back in the day you know so yeah. it's so ancient it's a form of art and that's the hard sell you know you got to tell people that that's really great it might not be necessary in a, to a degree but it is necessary to preserve in my opinion well yeah and just to bring parts of your culture back into society today I've never heard of anyone using a foot pedal loom. So do you know how to use a loom? Do you guys do the art or you employ artisans or how does that all work? And where did you get the idea? Well, we employ artisans. We know how to use it because we're there all the time. We're, we're a lot in the process of the design, but it's an art, right? So to learn that is a lifestyle. It's a long time and I don't have time to do that uh, right now, but I do appreciate it and I do think it's monetizable as an entrepreneur. That's how I have to think. Uh, but what's monetizable isn't the labor, it's the aspect. It's the art itself, just like a painting. It's the it's value is whatever society gives it, you know, whoever is willing to pay whatever they're willing to pay for it. And so Tlaxcala is used, is the textile capital of Mexico. And so, that that had a lot to do with us deciding to do that. We were like, hey, you know, we use all these looms because they still use a lot of, of the foot pedal looms in Tlaxcala. We're like, this is a really cool thing that you don't find in the States and you don't find anywhere, frankly, of uh, manufacturing. Most of our stuff in all the world really comes from China. A lot of clothes come from China and some really cool clothes like from Zara. They make a lot of it in Turkey and stuff like that. So... I just thought, hey, let's let's start to sell really cool clothes that are from made from foot pedal looms, a very unique way of making it. But more than just a unique way of making it, how can we make it look modern? How can we make it look really neat and sell the story at the same time? And we're not competing, though, against – obviously, we're not competing against anyone. We're an extremely small company. But our wool coats, for example, you can't take it to Antarctica and think that this is the best coat I could possibly have and I'll never get cold. No, the technology is still from 500 years ago that we made that coat with, right? Versus if you get a North Face coat, something that's made to not ever let you get cold because the technology that we have now, that that's different. And I recommend don't get it for, for really hard expeditions get it to look good and to preserve art but if it's about like having a, a coat that lasts forever in any condition whatsoever i wouldn't do that you know? okay good to know time and place yeah. time and place for poncho's blanket time and place exactly <laughs> it's a fashion statement really it really is yeah but every time i wear it they're like oh that's really cool yeah i was reading a little bit about your guys' story and so you that's kind of how you came up with the idea though right is that like everyone was kind of telling you that they liked your jacket and then you and your brother kind of 
mesh the two ideas yeah no well we were going to do ponchos and blankets that was the name it was going to be because ponchos it, they make a lot of ponchos on foot pedal looms as well okay. in mexico you find it all over the place and blankets because they all it's also known for making a lot of blanket so we decided hey you know what rolls off the tongue ponchos blanket yeah instead of ponchos and blankets so we're going to call it ponchos blanket because we were initially going to sell ponchos and blankets and not design anything just you know just be a someone who is the middleman broker essentially for a lot of artisans but we just just got into designing different things and it wasn't about ponchos and blankets anymore it was about ponchos blanket a brand which poncho is an ambiguous term essentially it's a blanket that you cut a hole in the middle of it you cut a hole in the middle of the blanket and you wear it and that's a poncho and it's also someone's name it's a nickname for francisco so it made sense that hey you know what let's call our stuff blankets it's an ambiguous term for a wearable garment and it'll be called poncho's blanket and so if you see on our website we have different products like the oso blanket like the Paco blanket and they're they are sweaters and hoodies and jackets but we call them a blanket because it's part of the ambiguous term of a poncho okay so that's kind of where that came from got it and yeah. so how have you so you kind of said you know this is about design and being stylish so not everyone can afford i guess something like this this is not a product for everyone but how have you kind of found a way to sustainably give a product like this away we don't give the garments that we sell away okay we give a different type of garment which are called uh they're sweaters they're herga sweaters they're the baja sweaters i'm sure you've seen them all over california even hawaii those really basic hoodies really pointy hoodie yeah they're just the, any mexican hoodie sweater that you see is okay. the baja sweater that's made from recycled materials okay which is really neat about those sweaters but they're very af affordable very cheap to make and that allows us to be able to give those sweaters away okay. and we provide food but those are the type of sweaters we give away because they're extremely affordable okay yeah because i was wondering i thought that maybe you were giving away these like artisan goods and i was like how yeah how is that sustainable business practice because you know you i don't think it's you not. have enough yeah i was like you don't think you have enough artists to make that many sweaters yeah no, <laughs> sorry it's not that that great of a business model yeah well maybe one day yeah so do your parents then i know they're involved a little bit are they involved they're in the involved kitchen? with the community kitchen okay <laughs> it's their church that does that Okay. They facilitate it, and we provide uh, financial help for them to buy the food. And they already have volunteers, so we don't have to really worry about that end. Okay, and so how do you guys – is it just your local community that is involved with that? Or, like, um, do you feed different communities all over Mexico? We feed different communities all over Tlaxcala, the state of Mexico. I love to go like different places in Mexico, but it takes a lot of uh, planning and work as opposed to just sending someone a bunch of food as well. We, we could probably eventually do that. Mm -hmm. But for right now, there's five different community kitchens that, that my parents' church started within the state. 
because Mexico closed down. The reason why we started it is because during COVID, they closed down um, everything. It was a hard lockdown. And if it looked like you were 60 years or older, they wouldn't let you inside of grocery stores to buy food or or anything. So a lot of people didn't have any family to even go into the stores for them. And also they weren't working, so they didn't have money either. And so they were like, well, we need to help the community. We're going to open a community kitchen every week. And it's in five different towns in Tlaxcala where they had that. But outside of that, we haven't really gone outside of it. And now it's not near, it's not where it was before, right? When we started, there was a huge necessity for, for food for a lot of people that didn't have any other means. And so they'd walk for miles to get to the community kitchen just for that one meal a week because also uh, public transportation was, was shut off. And a lot of people did, do not have cars there. They rely on public transportation. So they started that because of COVID and right now it's calmed down a lot. So there isn't as big of a need right where they are, but it's still a huge need. And I'm looking for ways to go to different places that does have the need or different ways to still be a benevolent organization that helps people. And so we're actually kind of changing our model with Feed a Family. I don't know if you if you know this Instagram account called Murph's Life. Mm-mm. Do you know that one? Okay. Well, he has a really cool nonprofit. It's in it's in South America, and they focus on one person who's in dire need. And they go to their house and they look at their like their actual conditions of living, and they decide like who to help, even though anyone they show you is the person they just, they chose to help, right? They, but they just go to a random place and they walk around, they talk to people, and be like, hey, how long have you been selling gum on the street? Okay. Uh, do you mind if we go to your place and maybe we'll buy something from you over there or help you? And they go and then, and then you're talking about the worst situations, right? They will decide, Hey, we're going to help this person get from this type of lifestyle where they barely make ends meet in the most worst conditions. And we're going to raise funds for them. We're going to buy them a little car so that they can move their product. We're going to buy them all of this produce so that they can start selling in the market and we're going to build them a new house essentially. And so that's what that organization does. And it's super cool to see because you see it from, from zero to hero, like the whole process. And we're kind of shifting towards that. We want to do more stuff like that where we know someone is in big time need and we can go and help them get the medicine. We're actually doing that right now. We're in the process of it. There's this one guy, he has a really horrible situation can't work, is very sick, doesn't have any money or insurance or anything for medication. And um, we're just, we're helping him in all the ways we can. And we're gonna see how that model goes. Yeah, well, and how, as a business person, how has it been to fund that sort of stuff is it just is it all the proceeds from your blankets or is there other ways that you're supporting these dreams of like helping all these people at first it was all of my personal bank account okay that i started all this and well with feed a family we started a gofundme so the gofundme 
allowed people to 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 donate directly and that's what funded the the kitchen at first and to keep it going then i did poncho's blanket and we're still i mean mostly it's paypal you can go directly to the site feedafamily.info and you can give there um and poncho's blanket gives a portion of all everything that comes in to feed a family but it's really slow right now because it's summertime <laughs> yeah we sell coats <laughs> i guess yeah yeah i guess that's true i guess you can make like poncho's vest or something for summer right yeah we have some really cool shirts coming out actually we've just uh, finished designing them we're going to start creating content for them cool. and it's going to be pretty neat yeah, yeah. So you kind of just like adjust as you go. So are you kind of more the business guy or like where does your brother kind of fit into your partnership with this? I'm having to be more of the business guy, but I'm definitely more of the creative. I I mean, both of us are very creative, me and my brother. And that's why we, we love doing this. Uh, I've had to be more of the business person though, even though it's not necessarily what i want i'm not huge on using excel spreadsheets or quickbooks and all that Ugh, i hate it i don't like it i have yeah. to hire someone eventually but we're both very creative and so we have tons of ideas tons of different products that we want to launch and design but it's not sustainable to just keep creating new ideas if if the products you have now aren't selling because you need yeah. to create liquidity so that you can buy more stuff and then you have to count in all the losses that you get from every single item that you didn't sell because the model that we have is so not drop shipping which is such an easy model to do if you're good at marketing but because we're manufacturing everything we have a lot of upfront cost we have mm -hmm. to ha we have to buy everything before we sell it and then we have to factor in all the things that didn't sell we have to eat that cost you know so i'm the business one yeah and i suck at it Oh no, you, I mean, obviously something's going right because your business isn't failing. So obviously you're doing something right. Yeah, I'm, I'm working hard and getting into debt. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you get a, a successful business. You just keep going until you strike gold. You know, you just don't know. You just keep going. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. you never know. You're right. Like next year, the year, like it, it just, your time is your time. And I think sometimes the universe just wants us to keep putting in the effort over and over again. And, then we'll get rewarded eventually. And I guess that's through the fruits of your labor. Like, have you seen a lot of the impact right. that you've, you've created? Cause I feel like that's probably what keeps you going is like the impact that you're seeing. That's exactly what keeps me going is the impact because I, I'm the last person to get paid right ever. Mm -hmm. In fact, I haven't gotten paid yet. I'm still in a lot of debt and I haven't seen <laughs> anything. And people think like, oh man, you're must be doing really, really well, but it's that's not how business is. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta wait. And it's the principle of life. You reap what you sow. That principle is ancient and it's true across the board. It doesn't matter what field you get into. And and one thing I've been convinced through this journey of doing Poncho's blanket is the fact that there is no such thing as luck. And if you think that you got luck, then you're kind of you're accepting a curse, a cursed mind, because you thought you got lucky once, then you think you'll get lucky twice. And at the end of the day, weather catches up with you and you'll reap what you sow. And if you learn to not sow, 
because you thought you were lucky and that you're going to just be okay, then you're going to become poor again because you have a poor mindset. And so you're always going to fall down to the poor, to your mindset, not poor mindset, but whatever your mindset is, you're going to go down to that and your habits, which your habits came from your mindset in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. There's a really good book called Atomic Habits that I really like. Yep. And so it helped me navigate um, a lot of, a lot of that mindset that I have. And I realized, hey, it, it doesn't matter if I'm doing Poncho's Blanket or if I'm doing just real estate or if I'm doing a career for some corporation. At the end of the day, you have to work hard in order to get anything good out of it. And even if that good thing isn't, let's say, money or success and however you thought it was going to be, the treasures of your character that came from hard work are more important than all the things that it could have provided. Right, because that is something no one will take away from you. Someone who has a good work ethic is really tough to find. That's probably because it's a reflection of their mindset. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, well, would you attest, I guess, most of that to like which portion of your life, I guess, because you're saying you're not a good business person, but you went to business school. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't seem too happy that you went to business school, but. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was great. Not everyone creates a business from the things that they want to, like entrepreneurs. Not everyone is going to be an entrepreneur, but like a lot of people have this idea to, to get back or they have this creative idea. And so where did your want to like start a business come from? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I'm being a little too honest and facetious when I say like, oh, I'm just not good at this business piece or whatever, but, um, and, and that's – people have their strengths. People have different strengths. Some people yeah. are really great at numbers, and that motivates them. I'm great at dreaming, and that motivates me. I'm, I really like concepts, and I see the big picture. Um, and it, I, the way I look at it is when I – a business or a, a dream is like a huge mountaintop, and you're like, that's the mountaintop I want to go to. I'm going to go in that direction. But I actually hate hiking, right? I hate camping. I hate all the things that has to do with eventually getting there versus the person who just loves camping, loves hiking. And they know they're going in that direction, but it's not about the, the big mountaintop. It's about the entire journey. And if you can really understand that, then you're doing good, I think. Um, but yeah, my strength is dreaming. And just the dream, I, I just like it. And I also am very... I wouldn't say brave, but I will take crazy chances because I'm also I'm a single person, right? I don't have a family, mouths that I have to feed, stuff like that. That will naturally make you way more not safe, but yeah, safe, you know, because you got to be extremely competent with your decisions. Versus, I can be somewhat irrational, you know. I could be like I could dream for the stars and put all of my eggs in one basket, and if it fails. I'm still like, I didn't fail anyone but myself. So I can just go and start something new. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you got to have the grit too, which grit is the common denominator for actually successful people, which, which is, they just don't give up. They just keep going. Yeah. And I, I definitely think I have the grit for it. So if it doesn't work on this one though, it'll be another one. Like, I'm, I won't stop until I die. That's yes. how I see it. But okay, so is Poncho's Blanket then, is that your first business venture then besides the, the kitchen? 
No, I started in English school in Mexico. Okay. And so when I went to Afghanistan, I saved up all that deployment money. It was just like 10,000 bucks or something. And I was like, I'm going to put all this into a, a new business. It's going to be an English school. And I partnered with my sister in that. And it just failed. We didn't know what we were doing. We were young. We didn't know about business models. We didn't know anything at all. And it was basically, I just put the money in there and, and didn't didn't do anything about it. And so it, it failed. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So there's like gone. All of the deployment money. Yeah. After that setback, you're just like, okay, cool. Like I'll try again. No sweat off my back. Kind of. Kind of. It, it stinks, but you don't think of it in the sense of, I'll never start a business again. Yeah. No, you think of it in the sense of, I'll never be that unprepared again. So it was a learning step, and it wasn't free, but it was it was an expensive lesson. And, and I, But that's okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that there's a cheat code to working smarter than harder. But the truth is, in my experience is I have to work harder before I get smarter. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you work harder, then you learn so many things that makes you smarter. And then when you meet the right people at the, at the right time, and you're the right person because you put in the hard work, then it's an opportunity. And that's actually luck. When it's opportunity meets preparation. But it's never, if opportunity meets lack of preparation, that's actually being unlucky. Yeah. It's the same thing except the the thing is you have preparation. And the preparation came from probably failures, from being brave and going for something and failing. And all you know, all the hard work, maybe not failing, maybe you just did good and you just keep on moving on. Failure doesn't have to be necessarily failure, but as long as it's you learn from it, then you have an amazing that's that's a thing that you want in life is to learn from all of the ups and downs and and yeah, you don't have to view it negatively. Yeah, well, I've heard this idea, and I don't know who I heard it from or what book I read it in, but it was just like every day, like preparing for the person that you might meet one day, or like not, not exactly preparing, but like just being like ready for that opportunity when it comes. So like, say you have like a year and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but you have this dream and this vision. Well, it's like, you could spend the whole year just preparing, like as if that thing is happening, or you could yeah. not. And it's like, who do you want to be at the end of the year? Because you never know who's going to knock on your door and be like, all right, here's your opportunity. And like, you're not ready for it because you didn't do any of the work. Um, so that's definitely yep. kept me going a bit is just realizing even if I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing at the moment, I'm going to do my best to prepare for whatever it is that's going to come up one day because I'll be ready. So. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if I'm a very successful businessman and I'm looking for in, to invest in in people's ideas and dreams and stuff, the last person I'm going to go to is the person who's just starting out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the way that like they there's they're and the reason I say this is because there is a difference between courage and arrogance, but you have to be wise to know the difference. Where if you're courageous it's because you're competent, in my opinion. Well, you're competent because you have experience and because you failed before. Or you didn't fail, but at least you have experience. But the arrogance seems like confidence, but it has no experience. You know, when you meet someone who's really young and they're just like, they think they'll conquer the world, yet 
they don't know how to play an instrument and they want to do an album type thing, you know? Mm. And they, yeah. they have no experience, but they, they're just so confident that they'll take over the world. That's actually not confidence, it's arrogance. And that's the kind of, it's everybody goes through it. That's the thing, especially young people. Young people are super arrogant and that's okay. They have to get through that and life will teach them real quick. But the people who are competent are the people that I think wise people invest in. And a competent person is only going to get there from being courageous. In other words, doing things that they were afraid to do. And once you can start being courageous, then you earn your competence. But the person who is arrogant never earned it because they were never brave. They just aren't there yet, right? They're just arrogant. They think they can do anything. And that's fine. But, uh, yeah, you're not going to get too many savvy investors interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And have you had a lot of fear surrounding any of the decisions that you've made with business like this ten thousand dollar investment for a school that failed like was there fear for that or you were just like yeah let's do this yeah no i not too much fear i think just because i have a strange way of looking at money like i'm not i'm not super money driven yeah. therefore i'm not money prohibited either like if i lose a bunch of money i lost like 60k in bitcoin like when that bubble thing happened <laughs> i put in 60k in credit card debt into poncho's blanket without knowing anything at all you know like and i'm not saying that's the way to go not at all yeah in fact i think there's so many better ways to do business and stuff than i've done and there's more than one way to skin a cat so there's so many things, so many ways you can go about business. But the thing that took that's taken courage for me isn't the money aspect, but it is the letting people down aspect, like the people around me, the people I love, my family. Um, also, my pride, you know, people seeing when you put out there that you're doing a business, it's a very vulnerable thing. Everyone is watching, everyone's seeing if it's going to go well for you, how constant are you going to be. Some people, they'll hate on it. Some people would just applaud you because they pity you, you know? They're like, oh, so happy for you. I love entrepreneurs. I love small businesses. It's really nice of them. But it's, uh, it's, it's still very vulnerable to put yourself out there like that. And I remember, so our storefront, it's in this area called the Crossroads and the reason why we have that storefront is because every first Friday they have a they have a bunch of different artists come out and display their art and vendors and people just walk around and buy pieces of art, buy little trinkets, things that people make on the street. And me and my brother decided we were going to set up a booth out there. So we go and we set up our booth. And man, it is such a vulnerable thing to be sitting out there with the product that you make, the thing that you're like laboring for, and then people just walking by and they look at it and then you're kind of like, oh snap, are they going to like, what do I do? And then they just keep on walking and you feel that rejection of like, oh, they didn't like what I created or what I'm doing. And then people coming and buying, you're like, oh wow, you, I really like your stuff. And you're just like, oh, thank you so much. It's so cool. It's so cool to see that. And that's the reward versus the, oh, how awkward all these people seeing your product and not buying it, not even looking at it. And so it takes a lot of vulnerability for those type of people. But the crazy thing is when we did that, the owner of the building where we were right outside of, he saw our stuff and he really liked it. 
and we kept on coming back every month and he offered us a, a space in his building, which is a really good space. It's, it's a really cool spot for a storefront. So had we not done that, had we not been vulnerable and courageous and decided to just put our stuff out there, then we would have, we wouldn't have a storefront right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you lead and the universe will follow, right? Yep. Well, you're going to reap what you sow. Yeah. Yeah. Period. I've never really thought about that, especially, I mean, because I'm in Hawaii right now and just going to farmer's markets. I've always, I've worked farmer's markets, but always for other people's businesses. So I've never been really attached to if someone likes the product or not. But I actually, I've never sat in that place and been like, this is my baby. And, you know, what, what other people think about that. So I've never, never thought about that, especially me going, you know, me going and talking to all of these people at the market. Like, I wish I had enough money to like, I, I try to buy, you know, from markets and everything, but I don't have enough money to support every single one of you every single week. So yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you should definitely try it out. Go and see how that feels, and because uh, you're already there in support, you know, you want to support. So it's like when you're out there with your own stuff, it's just how it goes. People are going to want to support you too. Yeah, and you're going to understand it in such in that context yeah you kind of touched on it a little bit but as for the future of poncho's blanket and what's coming up in the next year what do you kind of see it going we're going to be going to a lot of different trade shows we're going to be not a lot but we're definitely going to be getting more out there mostly locally in kansas City, just because that's what we can do shipping is so expensive and it doesn't make i mean you know, we got we got to figure that part out. I want to get into wholesaling a bit. And the fashion industry is pivoting from very neutral colors to very vibrant. It's that's the direction it's going. And so we're kind of we're kind of getting ahead of that in a bit because I'm sure you've seen on our website and stuff, we do have neutral stuff, but also very vibrant things. And we're going to try to be the middle of that, be the connector of very neutral and very vibrant very heritage based you know very hispanic but also something that would look really cool and fashionable on just about anything that you wear and not just be not just be a boho vibe but almost any vibe that someone would wear you know yeah and just perfect our business model see how we can actually start producing more products, getting it out there, getting it out of Mexico and into people's hands. Yeah, I think that's pretty incredible. Well, why yeah, don't you thanks. tell people where they can find you so that way they can come shop your stuff? Yeah, well, ponchosblanket.com. So you can always go there and shop there. You can shop directly from Instagram, which is at ponchosblanket. No spaces or lines or anything just at poncho's blanket and uh we are on 118th west uh in kansas city missouri at the bower if you just google us we're right you know all of our info is right there poncho's blanket but definitely check out our website to check out our story and the different products we have and awesome is there anything else that you want everyone to know um, do good for others and it'll come back to you. Do unto others as you would have them do to you and the world will be better.
and don't shop H&M. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but don't. Uh, well, don't. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you're kidding, but not kidding. Fast fashion. I I was into fast fashion for a while, and like I didn't understand what it really meant for yeah. a, a while. You know, I'm still I'm still pretty young, but I, I mean, I learned that a while ago. But now I like only buy like thrifted, secondhand, um, and I try not to overconsume. And like when I do consume, I try to like give something away before I. It's a whole thing now. So, anyways, fast fashion. Fast fashion, bad. Bad fashion. Yeah, well, a- another cool thing about what we do is a lot of our sweaters, like our Paco blanket, we make it from recycled materials. From Instead of going to landfills, that we actually repurpose all of it and de-thread it, and then we create these new threads, and then we make some pretty neat sweaters out of it and some shirts that are in, in production right now. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Good. Gotta gotta keep with the sustainability. It's pretty sustainable, yeah. <laughs> Just don't throw it away, and then it'll go right back to the the landfills. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Blue Rose Podcast. If you guys are loving these episodes, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Music and Spotify. You can also find me on Instagram and YouTube at Becca Blue Rose, where episodes are also released with video. Individual episodes with just me are released every Tuesday morning. Episodes with guests are released every Thursday morning. I am sending you guys good vibes and we'll chat soon.